be seated, please. Would invite you to turn in the Gospel of Matthew to read the first that the sermon came to an end. There were two verses of um, of review, if you will, uh, of the sermon. And uh, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And that tells you that it was the crowds who were amazed. It was not just that there were a few people saying, wow, this is quite interesting. But the multitude, the overwhelming majority, were amazed at his teaching. Well, what is it that separates the teaching of Jesus from anyone and everyone else? And in that particular day, what separated it had to do with not only what he was teaching, they were amazed at that, but how he was teaching. And he was not presenting the word of God as though it was something that we needed to take a vote on as to whether it's acceptable to us or not or whether we see ourselves doing that sort of thing. Nor uh, was it in his teaching uh, a kind of uh, platitude type of thing of, wow, that's really fascinating. I mean, we had a man years ago when I was in Bible college and he came. He was not exactly what you would call a solid evangelical. A matter of fact, uh, he was a liberal, and uh, we wondered why he was invited. And he came, and he spoke on two rivers. Uh, he spoke on uh, the St. John River, and that was really nice. And, uh, <clears throat> and then he spoke um, on the Kennebecasis River. Well, that was even better, because the Kennebecasis River ran in front of our home uh, back east, and that was all well and good. Except I didn't want to have a couple of old river sermons. I wanted to have the word of God opened up. And Jesus didn't come to tell a few uh, catchy little stories to them. He opened up the word, and he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. They had listened to all that stuff. They'd heard enough of it. And Jesus came, and he opened up the word of God. But we also notice that in Jesus opening up the word of God, that there is a continuum to the ministry. And it fits right in with the very ministry that Jesus has uh, given himself to. And back in Matthew chapter 4, we just want to go back for a moment because we have a picture of Jesus' ministry. And the timing of this is perfect. This comes before the Sermon on the Mount. Then we have the Sermon on the Mount. And we have the large crowds in verse 25 of chapter 4. And we have the large crowds at the end of chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But we have a picture of his ministry, and it tells us in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 24 that Jesus was going throughout all Galilee. He was teaching in their synagogues, and he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, uh, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, those were ten cities, and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And so that's what preceded the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, and it's these large crowds being touched by Jesus, being healed by Jesus, being spoken to by Jesus, and the major component of his ministry was, of course, the gospel of the kingdom. And now he's coming down from the mountain, and we read in verse 1 of chapter 8 that when he came down from the mountain, large crowds are still following him. So you have the, the, this fascinating dynamic of the large crowds following him. Jesus goes to the mount, and, and then down from the mountain, and they're still there. 
And uh, I don't know if he went up and down the same side. We don't know any of those things. But we know that the large multitudes are there. He doesn't announce in advance, follow me. The next thing you're going to have on your program, get your bulletin out. The next thing we're going to have is a healing. No, there's no announcement to this. He comes down from the hill. And as he comes down from the hill with the large crowds following him, a leper came to him and bowed before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. It's a fascinating healing. It's a fascinating healing on several counts. Obviously, the timing is fascinating. And here are this multitude of witnesses. So the size of the audience is, is, is also fascinating. This is a large multitude. So there are all sorts of witnesses there. So that whatever is going to happen, it's not going to be confirmed by one or two witnesses. It's going to be confirmed by a, a multitude of witnesses. It's purely a spontaneous event that takes place. Jesus, of course, knows all things and knows what's going to happen. But we have this spontaneous event where we have the obvious that we know that when somebody comes up and bows before the Lord and, and makes the statement that is made in verse 2, we know that a healing is going to take place as well. So there's no guesswork in the passage. It's a very simple passage, but it's profoundly wonderful because here we have Jesus fulfilling a part of the ministry for which he came. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 35, we read these words in verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For the water shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. And it was that kind of prelude that, that John the Baptist carried with him as the one who came prophesying the Lord, prophesying who has come. The king has come, the Lord has come, and he has come, and he has come, as, as we're reminded, with healing in his wings. He has come to save, he has come to heal, he has come to minister. And healing ministry was, was profoundly needed in the time of Jesus' ministry because God had stricken Israel because they were covenant breakers. Now, we always have to remember, and this is important to understand, that we're in the old covenant era still. Jesus obviously has not gone to the cross, so the new covenant has not been instituted. And you recall back in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and it's a fascinating passage, and... Uh, you recall that it starts off with a call to obey. And it is in actuality full of calls to obey. And you notice in the ministry of Jesus, these people are unusually sick. I mean, these people have everything that is going. And you might think that we're unusually sick. These people were under God's covenant to obey stridently, with all of their heart, his word. And you know the whole picture of Deuteronomy. It's very fresh in my mind because the speaker last night at the banquet uh, started off with Deuteronomy and I was cheering in my seat uh, that he was opening up God's word and taking us through Deuteronomy and, and so forth. And in Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, it tells us, Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord. Now is there another kind of obedience? Yeah, it's called disobedience. 
If you diligently obey the Lord, your God, being careful to do all his commandments, not just your favorites, all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord, your God, will set you high above all the nations of the earth. There's the condition of the covenant. All these blessings will come upon you, verse 2, 28 of Deuteronomy, and overtake you. What a fascinating piece of language that is, that the blessings are overtaking you, that they're going to follow you through your life. They will overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. And then, of course, blessed shall be you in the city, and blessed shall be you in the country, and your offspring, and so forth. And blessings will follow you if you are careful to do the word of God if you are, are laboring to bring honor and glory to him, if you're, you're following him with a heart that is determined to serve and love and honor him, you will know the blessing of God upon you. But uh, there are conditions, aren't there? What if you disobey the Lord? If you disobey the Lord, uh, in verse 15 of the same chapter, it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe all his commandments and his statutes which I charge you today that all these curses will come upon you and shall overtake you. And it goes on, and it's the exact opposite of what we have in the other passage. The first part is the positive side. If you obey, the blessings will follow you. If you disobey, then you will know the curses of God upon you. Now, part of the curses that they got to know in a very, very intimate way was this. It tells us down in verse 58, if you are not careful to observe all the words of this law which are written in this book to fear this honored and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants, even severe and lasting plagues and miserable and chronic sicknesses. He will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid, and they will cling to you. Always every sick, also every sickness, every plague, which are not written in the book of the law, the Lord will bring on you until you are destroyed. That's the generation that Jesus is ministering in. Remember how Malachi ends? Malachi ends, their marriages are falling apart, their whole relations are falling apart, their worship is falling apart, their covenants are being broken, they're offering up to God half-dead sacrifices, thinking, well, uh, uh, the, the old lamb out there, the old sheep out there is half-dead anyway, why should I waste a good one on the Lord? In other words, they were offering God second best, and that's a compliment to call it second best, and, and that's what they were doing. And that's the end of Malachi, 400 years of silence, not a word, until John the Baptist emerges. And then Jesus comes ministering. These were a rebellious people. They were run by the Pharisees, who were the legalists. They were run by the Sadducees, who were the, the liberals of the day, denying the supernatural, denying the resurrection, all of that. And that's what they were. And as a result of that, they were sick. And they were sick of everything under the sun. And so we need to get a picture of that in terms of the old covenant and their disobedience to God. So that when they made a promise to God, and you recall those promises, we have it in Deuteronomy, we have it in the closing verses of, uh, of, of thing to do that and to be that. And Israel 
is learning something, and it's something that we need to take seriously too, because it's also repeated in the New Testament as well as the Old, that whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And they had sown disobedience, they had shortchanged God, they had ignored God, they had, they had corrupted their worship of God, and generationally, they were in a mess. And here's this man, and here's this picture, and it's a fascinating picture. This man comes, and it tells us that he came to him and bowed down before him. Leper is, is, is a, an umbrella kind of term for a uh, number of skin diseases. Um, uh, it's 68 times in the scriptures, five in the Old Testament, 13 in the, I like to do the math. Uh, and you recall, had this testimony of him, and you're thinking, I love that story, don't you? That wonderful story, this wonderful little girl whom in the providence of God is a slave girl in the household of Naaman is this. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Naaman was a leper. That's it. That great man Naaman was, but Naaman was a man. He was one who was able to have the respect of men, but we know he was a leper. That was eating disease. You recall uh, Lucien Bouchard who was uh, eating disease. It was often, and I think about folk who are diabetic, and I go to the doctor, and I get some blood siphoned off, or not, I look the other way, I show how brave I am, I look the other way, and, and, and think of 613s. My whole life is changed, and here is this man, and Dr. Luke, in his account, and he gives an account, and he gives this wonderful little phrase that, that, that comes, uh, and only a doctor would throw this in. In Dr. Luke's account, which it says, he describes this man as full of leprosy. In other words, this man was in bad shape. And we use that kind of language, don't we? He was full of leprosy. So it's not just that he came to him and he was a leper, but that's the tax collector writing. The doctor writing says he's full of leprosy. He is in bad shape. This is not the kind of thing that happens in the, the uh, so-called faith healing meetings in our day where all sorts of undocumented cases take place and they're never proven. This man looked part. He was sick. And he comes to Jesus. Now it's fascinating as you see him coming to Jesus that he comes reverently. He bows down before him. He shows respect. And so he comes to him, bows before him, and then he shows respect by addressing him as Lord. Now, it's fascinating that he addresses him as Lord because in a few short years, it's going to be against the law to address Jesus as Lord. You will only be allowed to address Caesar as Lord. But we have this picture of this man, and he comes in full humility, and he comes and addresses Jesus, you are Lord. We tell people that are outside of Christ, you must come to Christ as Lord. We're not just telling you come to Christ as Savior. And there, there's been that dichotomy that you are well familiar with here because we've talked about it before and some of you have seen the results of it and yet submitted to him as Lord. If you have not submitted to him as Lord, you do not have him as Savior. You do not divide Jesus up. He is Lord. He is the Sovereign. He is the Savior. He is the King. He is the prophet, the priest, and the king. 
He is all of those things and more. And he is revered. And this leper in the book tells us that we're to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. The inference of that is this, that when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, we're to lay down on the altar, just as Isaac was laid down on the altar. Isaac didn't stand beside the altar. He was laid down upon the altar. And this man is laying down before Jesus. He has done more than just taking that, 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 that posture. Well, hail the power of Jesus' name. You can complete the rest of the sentence. And you have a picture. I hope you can. I'm gambling on you. Let angels prostrate, fall. Don't pronounce it wrong. Prostrate, fall. They bow before him. And here is this sickly man. And he comes to Jesus and he bows before him, spread out in front of him. And he says, Lord, reverently, Lord, if you are willing, and we get a picture of the faith of this man, of faith, this one that is so sick comes and he knows this is about Jesus. This is about his willingness to make him whole. And he gives this wonderful confession of faith as he bows before the Lord and says to the Lord, Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And you can't imagine what that means in the life of this man, in the condition that he is in, full of, of, of leprosy. He is probably one of those kind of people because as he comes, he is sick so much so that Luke physically describes him and he bows in full reverence, and ask the Lord, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The call of the leper was what? You remember from Sunday school years. I remember it was one of my most hideous Sunday school colorings. I was a lousy colorer. And I remember when the little coloring sheets are being dealt out by the Sunday school teacher, and we had to draw a picture of the leper. And, and the scripture press kindly marked the leper spots that we were to and, and color. I was equipped with the gloomiest crayon that I could have. There I was coloring this character, and he looked absolutely gross. But he looked absolutely gross. But, but here's this, and he's before Jesus, and he's blue. We know that much. The end of the passage. And he comes to be made, I know you can make me whole. I, I, if you have think of the wonderful, Jesus, the plateau. And now they're still following, following. Wonder what was, maybe there's another sermon. I wonder what he's going to do next. And then they see this character running towards Jesus. And I bet they stop dead in their tracks because what's going to happen? And now he's before Jesus and he's confessing Jesus. And it's at this point that we get the word from Jesus. We don't have anything to this point. We have to recognize there's a little time lapse that takes place here that we don't often allow for. We just read along, read along, read along. But we have this little, little reminder. He's done the talking. And then we have uh, two motions in one, if you will. We have Jan has heard and needs to hear. And it's this. I am willing. I am willing. Thomas Watson, the great Puritan preacher, as a phenomenal preacher of Christ to save, we have not rightly preached gospel. That doesn't matter what your theology is this morning. Or if you want, gee, I don't have any theology. <laughs> if we don't preach Christ as the willing Savior, at all, are we? Preach Christ as the will. That is not one salvation and to make the free offer of the hide salvation. 
Jesus comes in the fullness of who he is. Lord, he is a, he comes as power to heal, willingness to heal. Man is before him, stretched out his hand, and said, I am willing. I am willing. That's why whatever yourself in this morning, when you come to this, you are a willing saint. And he willing heal context. And he comes and for him, he stand. They're here. I am. He says, be healed. Now, you'll know sometimes, and some of you are sort of thinking, hey, well, there was this man to go and wash. And yeah, that's true. And that is always for the individual. But it's the audience. Depends on the audience was full of these. Sometimes natural denying. Sometimes it was a environment. Always did was the why. And then the cause with the saying before the Lord gives him what. And it is a instantaneous. No fanfare. He didn't, he didn't have the handlers send him up, pop him, falls backwards. And so he didn't give him a goo. He didn't do anything. And here we wonderful. I am willing. I am willing. Now the deal was want to throw and sure you do. And you recall the apostle Paul who aims in his flesh away from him. Language that Paul used sometimes people say, well maybe that no, if it was names people, writings of the apostle, people are named, forsaken me, having love. And the language we talked in Sunday's Christ, but Greek and how profound God gave in the Greek language mathematically the Paul is disease of the Lord heal him up. didn't, what did it sufficient for him? But this man deplorable and he needed physical healing. Important. It seems important. Well, I'll tell you why. The place this declaration, not but go to. And so we have Jesus, verse 4, to it first. Never going to be told, obviously. They saw he had been, had taken, this is said, you're healed, you're But why does well, remember Mosaic law, the old covenant. We're back in Leviticus, some requiring leprosy was required. They're there and they're vividly. And so they were going to This is really. And so to make that going to be in sacrifice. All of that, read this and you can read it in verse 1 and, and following. Then they'll say, this shall leper. He shall be and the pride the camp. Look, and if the and cedar would string String for me and of the one and so forth. The, the sacrifice. This is what the handbook is. is. Here, the leper has come. Now we have to. We don't want somebody really not healed. Make sure this in the Jesus is a healing his men at the same Doing so in keeping with the Mosaic law to Israel covenant. And so this is what you do. Don't tell anyone. Self to the priest. Stand before the priest. Priest is to look. One of the reasons why we know that, that much of what is called healings today are not healings, are they never documented. They're never documented. I'll flock out to the meeting on, on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and they'll claim all sorts of healings. Now, what we should do when we claim all these healings is this. We should go to the doctor. We should go to the hospital. I was at the Benny meeting last night, and I went in, and I went in on crutches, and I went in with this and that and the other thing. And we went home, and we had a campfire, a burnt the crutches, and so forth and so on. Okay, good. Now go to the hospital, go to the doctor. Uh, this will save tax dollars because you only have to go once if you've been truly healed. So go get the confirmation and prove the healed. That works. That never happens. Never happens. Can you imagine these people making money hand or year after year after year? Millions of dollars? One, two, three houses. Do the sacrifice. Present your. And here he comes. 
And he says, this, the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony. God's people, God's eyes, healed. Very much, and I want to move in for a second, because it's with the new covenant today. This person professes faith. How are they to present them? Move to, to the spirit. How are they to prepare has been truly healed? Well, all the sea are gone. Know that then you can name Jesus behind. How do we know it's healed? Because every evidence of the, the are gone. They're, they're not recognized. Well, let's move it as we close this morning. The, the, the physical. Jesus said, not everyone, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. does the will of my heaven. So the person is. Because all the evidence, leaf, all disobedience of their past life is gone. So that if any man be in all rights, he's a new. The old things have passed. New things have come. That are fascinating uh, in which that. And it's then Paul writes these words, chapter 5, 17. He does this. And he gives us the, the look word. Look at this. So he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Passed away. And then this word. In other words, new. That in the life of those of Christ. They've been living their life in, in warfare against the Lord, living on to them their whole life, squandered. Now, in preparing this week of the, the account, Bernard Palmer, Bernard Palmer here, Orlis, right? And there was a, a move, although we had to call the background, a few years ago, Palmer's son. And Bernard's life was merciful to the Lord days. Coming to the Lord days, past, I have wasted my life. That is the commonality of every woman, child who is outside of the testimony, high and mighty, or how lower they are. Testimony is the same. Wasted my this morning, and some are wasting day by day, second by second on your watch. And then get a watch where you really have to know how to tell time. No. Ticking by, ticking by. See, tell us, any man, Christ, creature, behold. Remember, big word, isn't it? In Luke chapter 2, Behold, a great joy which shall be his Holy Spirit in inspiring the has them all there. Look at this. Look at this. And you see, when a person comes to Christ, what are they doing at the moment to Christ? Once I was out, I can see the world is Jesus. Paul was saying, Look, behold them, the new creature. The old way. New things have come. They're not. But there's and that is to be a indwelling and to be a sin that you are trespasses and you have need directed. We ask that resuscitus. Paul uses and the Greek Latin of the, the rabbit that render dead. Jesus is a willing savior. As a willing savior. Jesus sees this man stretched out before him with his physical with your sin. And Jesus said, with leprosy, cleansed. And he says to you, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. About my email, because it asks whom I give it to. And I had a gal on the phone. And I gave her my email. And that's a great email. That when in this, they're asking. They down their throat, they ask. Believe Christ and you will be. That's good news. Don't use it as my email. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Saved is not saved, not half, half delivered. Work out the rest on your own. It's believe and be saved. 
Whatever the disease, this man was helpless. Sin leaves you helpless. This man was utterly hopeless. Sin leaves you. This man go except and you have nowhere to go except Jesus. Bow before him. Bow before you this day. This wonderful event to a preceding wonder was the preaching of the the whole gospel and strident who was so came before you self to be the wheel healer of this come before you sick sick of sick with sin and having need of you to say be cleansed and only you can do it we cannot cleanse ourselves we cannot save ourselves and we come before you and we pray lord that you would speak to our hearts this day and deliver us father from ourselves and we pray for those who are outside of Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to them and that they would see in this marvelous healing physically that took place in this passage that you show yourself to be the doctor of souls as well and that lives are changed when they come before you. And so we pray, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of those outside of Christ. And we pray, Father, that you would show yourself being rich in mercy because of the great love with which you loved us, that you would make the dead alive in Christ, for by grace we are saved. So speak to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name.